Can you hear me? Great, awesome. Oh, sorry about that. We're having a terrible storm right now, and my dog's going crazy. And yeah, something. yeah. Uh, I'm the only one home, so all my dogs are going crazy too. So. Oh uh, yeah. All right. Um, let's hope this one works. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. Okay. All right, you ready? Yes. Yeah. We'll yeah just, let's go. We'll just we'll just do it the same way as we did last time. All right, so we are. All right, works for me. Okay, I'm just gonna. All right, this is the first podcast of the Ohio Sports Blog podcast. Um, Ohio Sports Blog is dedicated to covering all the sports of the great state of Ohio, from the Buckeyes basketball and football to the Indians to the Browns to the Reds uh, and everything in between. Uh, you can follow them on Ohio Sports Blog underscore on Twitter for more information and. We also have nightly game coverages of the Indians and the Reds right now. And then during the football season, we'll have the Browns, Bengals, and Buckeyes. And then basketball, we'll have the Cavs and the Buckeyes and so forth. So um, as far as that goes, my name is Charlie Peters. I'm the Indians coverage for the Ohio Sports Blog. I can be found at WCPeters underscore one on Twitter. Um, go ahead and give me a follow and to link to all the Ohio Sports Blog blogs. Um, and my part, my co-host today is Charles Kangas, and I'll let him introduce himself. Hey, everybody. This is Charles Kangas. You can follow me at Kangasman underscore FS in all caps on Twitter, um, as I am the head of content for OSU football and basketball. Stay with us all season as we cover every sport in Ohio. All right, and that'll bring us. Let's. We got to jump it right into the uh, to the very first thing on the ballot, which is LeBron James leaving again uh, for the second time, leaving the Cavs for the second time for the Lakers. Uh, four years, one hundred fifty-four million dollars. Uh, give me your thoughts on LeBron heading to, heading out west. Uh, I got to tell you, Charlie. Like I said, I said I wasn't going to get mad, but this this has to still sting for Cleveland sports. Um, it's massively, massively, massively decimates the roster the Cavs have put together. Um, and it, you know, it, we're, we're going to start from scratch now again, again, four years later, and we have to start from scratch again. And he's leaving us. I feel like he's leaving us high and dry. Yeah. Arguably we're starting from behind, uh, behind the eight ball more than start. It'd be good. It'd be nice if we were starting from, even, but we're starting a little bit behind the eight ball with the uh, J.R. Smith's contract, Tristan's contract uh, that we can't get rid of, and also we have two more years of Kevin Love, and we have no, really no help coming in the future for at least a couple years. Exactly. I mean, you also got, you have to throw Kyle Korver's contract in there. I mean, we gave up a first-round pick to get that guy and then signed him to a three-year, $22 million contract to keep him because LeBron wanted him. Yeah, uh, Arguably, I mean, everybody in Cleveland's always going to remember the championship, the championship break. But arguably, LeBron did more, did as much damage to the Cavs um, before he left the second time uh, that he could. Because he, yeah. he made us take JR's con, made overpay for JR, made us overpay for Tristan, made us overpay, like you said, for Kyle Korver, basically mortgage the future. Um, yep. So, I mean, the Cavs are in a, they're in a, they're in a big hole right now. They're just not, not – things aren't going to look good here for at least a couple years. Yeah. Uh, well, and you know what? Our one saving grace is the is Colin Sexton right now. Um, but that wasn't through Le- – that was through no help from LeBron. That was from trading Kyrie Irving, which we totally should have got more out of that trade for. Oh, 100% we should have. We, we got we got hosed. We didn't get yes. Brooklyn Nets hosed, but we got hosed. Yes, we didn't get any young um, – we need to get at least a young one of those young wing guys, either yeah. Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, plus the pick. If, you know, if, we, if not that, we should have got multiple first round picks. Yes, yeah, so we got four guys who three of them aren't even on. Didn't even make it halfway through the year. No, nope. um, you know, and I mean, just that that trade that trade's going to go down in history as one 
I mean, absolutely one of the worst trades yeah. of all, Bo- of all time. Bo- Boston clearly won that trade. I mean, we might see what Zizic can do this season, this upcoming season, now that LeBron's gone because the Cavs are focusing more on young player development. But, you know, that's no guarantee. No. There's no, no guarantees in the NBA. No. None. Um, uh, going on top, on top of uh, the LeBron news and – you know, the Cavs being decimated. Uh, straight uh, reported yesterday, Boogie Cousins going to the uh, Golden State Warriors. The rich uh, just continue to get richer. Holy smokes. I, I saw he signed for one year with $5.8 million. Um, I did read somewhere someone tweet, tweeted out uh, Boogie Cousins signed for the exact same contract he got at Kentucky, which I had to chuckle at. But, um, <laughs> but I, I mean, unbelievable. Like, the, the guy's not even going to play until December, but you know when he comes back, he's going to be, I mean, he's going to be on a tear. Exactly. And well, yeah. He's just going to, it's going to, he's going to be, he's an unbelievable big man. He's one of the best big men in in the league. And, I mean, it's just, it's, un, it's a, if the uh, Warriors lose more than 10 games next year, I'll probably be, I'll be uh, surprised. Oh. People should kill them if they if they lose more than ten games next year because this is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, if David Stern were still uh, commissioner, you know he he would have stepped in and blocked this like he did the CP three trade to the Lakers quite a few years ago. I mean, this is ridiculous how the Warriors can just keep adding players like this. People desperate to win championships. I mean, Kevin Durant has easily ruined the NBA. Not LeBron right. James. Not LeBron James when he joined Miami. Kevin Durant has ruined the NBA. The, there's pretty much four teams that are that can compete now, and that's Houston, Golden State, and the Lakers because they have LeBron, and then Boston out east. I mean, who else do you think is going to uh, put up a fight for a championship? I mean, you can make the, yeah, you can make the argument for Philadelphia just because they're young and if they catch catch fire in, in a bottle, and you know they can make a yeah. run, maybe get to the finals, but. Um, My- my only yeah. thing with Philly, though, is that youth can work against them, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I, no, I'm 100% on your side. I mean, it's Golden State and everybody else. I don't – I mean, you'd have to be a die-hard, die-hard NBA fan just to want to watch the regular season NBA. Yeah. Well, and you, you know the hashtag everybody was saying, this is not my president with Trump? Mm-hmm. I, I want to start the hashtag now, this is not my NBA. Well, yes, one hundred percent. I'm I'm on your I'm on your side there. It's I mean, this is this is it's almost like uh, I mean I don't even know what it's like, but it's it's unbelievable. It's, it's something it's we've never seen before. It is. It, it's it's the steroid era of baseball in the NBA is what it is. Yes, I mean, I don't. It's Golden State, what Golden State is doing to the NBA, and I'm, I'm not sure. You know, eventually it's going to come to an end because they're not going to be able to pay everyone. All the all the money they're going to own, but um, yeah, exactly. But I mean, for right now, it's just so like Steph Curry has three three uh, championships. I yeah, mean, they're, they're three of the most hollow championships of all time. Like he could win, him and Grant could win six or seven of them together, and nobody even care. Exactly, and that's 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 why there's everything wrong about what's going on in the NBA, and something needs to done be done to change the competitive balance because it's it's bad for the league it's bad for the ratings i mean we saw it this year ratings were down in the playoffs this year in the nba mm-hmm. and even with i mean even with lebron putting on the show he was putting on every single night uh, and, it, and you know what but you, he had to put on that show because Cavs the Cavs wouldn't have made it as far as they did if he didn't put on that show because he had no help i mean Kevin Love is best as a third option, and we're probably not going to be able to get anything for him until we, unless he rebuilds his value halfway through the season. And now I'm hearing that the Cavs, I'm hearing conflicting reports. All of a sudden, the Cavs are with him. All of a sudden, they're not with him. I mean, what, what, how, how are we supposed to know what's actually going to happen with Love? I mean, are they going to trade him or what? I mean, I think the best thing for us is to trade him, but can we get extract? full value for him at this point. I think you're correct. I think we're going to start the season with Kevin Love. I think I'm hoping he has a breakout first half because he'll be the number one option. 
get the shots that he wants, run yep. the offense through him, and hopefully we can get his value up by trade deadline that somebody who's thinks they're a contender will want to trade, give us a hopefully a pick, a young player for him um, so that they can bolster their roster but also take that salary off of yeah. our hands. And you, you know what really burns me about LeBron leaving? is Dan Gilbert just p- continues to put his foot in his mouth. Yes. Like, he, he can't get over his own ego. I mean, we, ha- we had a trade secured to send Kevin Love to Indiana to get PG-13 before the, car- the Kyrie Irving trade. And guess you didn't want to pull the trigger. Charles, you there? Are you, you got me? Hello? Can you hear me? Charles. You got me? Yeah. My, sorry, we just got a huge thing of lightning and my Wi-Fi went out. But Oh, wonderful. Yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, you're saying Dan, about Dan Gilbert? Yeah, so Dan Gilbert, he can't get over his own ego. I mean, he he says stuff like, I think I can build an, an NBA championship team without LeBron. Well, you know what? You know what that says to LeBron? That says to LeBron that you don't want to build more around him. It says that you don't need him, which is untrue. We needed him. We still, I still think we need him. And while I think this is better for us in the long run, I mean, look at look, look at what happened when we were um, when we were trying to get uh, Paul George. We had a trade set to go to send Kevin Love. To Indiana, and we were going to get PG thirteen. And you know who didn't want to pull the trigger? It wasn't just Indiana. Dan Gilbert didn't want to pull the trigger. Yeah, I mean, and he, I mean, and he can't He won't pay GMs because he wants to run his own team. I mean, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I mean, eventually, look at Jerry Jones in the NFL. I mean, he didn't have to. Uh, he eventually had to step away from running his own team. It does not work when you try to run your own roster. You need guys who are experienced, and I think. One of the biggest pitfalls in LeBron leaving was letting David Griffin walk. Yes, one hundred percent. I mean, Griff, from all accounts, Griff and LeBron were, were buddies. They were on the same page. Um, you know, they worked. They worked seamlessly together. Yeah, that's. I think. Uh, yeah, Dan Gilbert. I read something the other day about uh, Jerry Reinsdorf from the Bulls. Was they're not happy, but they were. They're ready to build their own team when uh, Jordan left. And I mean, it's been 20 years. They haven't been. They've been mediocre at best for 20 years since Jordan left. Exactly. Um, like, you, you, like you said, the owners. I mean, I don't know why these owners. I think the owners, because they made their billions in other industries. Exactly. So the, owners, the owners have these teams are like their little toys, and they want to prove to everybody they're not just billionaire nerds that they can actually be in the sports realm too. Exactly, and it doesn't work like that. I mean, no, it look. Doesn't. I mean, look at the Warriors. Do you see their owner? I mean, say what you want about them, but, I mean, they drafted Steph Curry, they drafted Klay Thompson, they drafted Draymond Green, and then they let their front office do the work, and their front office went out and got Kevin Durant, and now they got Boogie Cousins to go along with it. They went out and got Andre Iguodala because they let their front office do their job. Yes, I mean, I've never – I've watched – so I'm not a big NBA watcher of regular season. I've probably watched them at least six times a year when they play the Cavs. I've never seen them, um, you know, I've never seen the owner. Like, they're always, Gilbert's always right there on the sideline. I've never seen uh, the Warriors owner. You don't even see the Warriors GM on the sideline. No, I don't even know who it is. You know who it is? It's uh, Bob Myers, I think is his name. That's his name, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, And you know what? I mean, you see Kobe Altman on on the sideline for the Cavaliers, I mean, but he's a young he's a young guy, and I think he's got some talent, and I do think that he can build this roster. I mean, with the creative trades that he did to get this roster younger before LeBron left, um, despite the fact that I'm st- a little salty about David Griffin leaving, I think Altman can do the job. Yeah, I think they got. I think um, they're going to be. People in that organization now are going to be more freer to do their jobs with LeBron out of the picture because it seemed like for four years everybody's whole mission was to make make sure he wasn't mad at them. Exactly. To make sure make sure he was 
agreeing with everything they did. Now I think you're going to be able to see Altman, you're going to see Ty Lue, you're going to see even Gilbert himself, you know, be able to do stuff more freer um, than they were the last four years. We're actually going to be able to see their talent and their personality come out in this team. Yeah, and well, you know what? And sadly, we're going to have to suffer through a bad year of basketball with an, a potential eight seed in the playoffs at best because the East is so bad. Um, we're going to have to suffer through that as fans. But you know what? In the long run, it's going to be better for us because once that's set, once we get the salary cap free, once we start getting at acquiring assets, I mean, this team can quickly turn around. This can be a quick rebuild. Yes, yes, for sure it can. I mean, we've already got we've already started with uh, we got younger with Nance uh, Clarkson. Yeah. Um, then we got Colin Sexton in the draft. Yeah. You know, if we can if we can find somebody to take love salary and get a good player to come back for him, mm-hmm. um, I don't know that we're ever going to be able to dump Tristan or Jr. Um, until their contracts out. But I believe that's only one or two more years. I I think the only way I see Tristan Thompson going is if somebody is desperate for offensive rebounding, because if there's anywhere that Tristan excels, that is offensive rebounding. He gives, he gives his team second chances because he is, he is so tenacious on those boards. I just wish Yeah, he's go ahead. Uh, Yeah. He's very active. You're right. He's very active on the offensive end. As far as rebounding goes, getting a second chance is batting the ball out. So yeah, I could see him. I could even see him at the trade deadline. Someone needing more offensive rebounding, maybe somebody at the deadline giving up, um, maybe even us taking an expiring contract for him. Exactly. Just to free up, free up all that space. Yep. Uh, and you know what? When you were talking about trading Kevin Love, you know, Denver would have been an option last year. But, you know, they went and signed Paul Millsap, so it's too bad. I mean, it's going to be hard to find a suitor for Kevin Love. It's it's definitely going to be hard to find a suitor for J.R. Smith, especially with that god-awful playoff blunder in game one of the finals. For sure. For sure. Even Yeah, even though, um, you know, J.R. is a big part of the championship run in the championship game. Um, yeah, you're right. That, that playoff blunder in game one where we had it won, it just, I mean, it's going to stick in everybody's memory. I think that's a contract we're just going to have to play out till the end and then let him go. But, I mean, I think, I believe that's only one or two more years also. I, so. I believe after this year, it is not, the full salary is not guaranteed. Him and George Hill can easily come off the books after next season. Well, that's nice. I didn't realize until a couple of days ago, George Hill makes $20 million a year. Yeah, man, he pulled a fast one on Sacramento, didn't he? He did. He did. I'd like to be that guy. I'd love to be an NBA player at this point because they're making all kinds of money. They are. They are. They are. Um, all right. On that note, let's switch. Uh, let's switch. Uh, Rovers here and um, go to one of your one of your um, expertise, and that's the Ohio State recruiting. Um, they've been on quite the tear the last few days last week um ever since their friday night lights why don't you go ahead and talk a little bit about that all right so i just posted an article on at ohio sports blog go and read it it's a great article we secured five commitments in the past week spanning two recruiting classes and i'm going to start with i'm going to go by position here instead of by year because it's just going to be easier so let's start with quarterbacks we secured two commitments at the quarterback position in the 2019 and the 2020 class first one we secured in 2019 is uh dewan mathis who is formerly a commitment to michigan state um a big surprise there Mm -hmm. for the buckeyes um they were they didn't offer him until may of this year um it was even they were, had been trying to get him into a visit, but with Michigan State's clear no visit policy, that it, that was even a question. And he was continuously repeating how committed he was to Michigan State. But eventually, he wanted to see what he he wanted to see what he might be missing. So he shockingly showed up to Friday Night Lights, um, whereas uh, another guy they were recruiting, uh, three star quarterback Brian Maurer, out of. Uh, Florida was told by the coaching staff that he was going to be the only one there only to find out later that he wasn't the only one there. And 
as soon as Dewan Mathis showed up, I was I had my ears perked up because I'm like, oh my god, I think a flip's coming soon. And look what happened. He flipped from Michigan State to Ohio State, and Ohio State scores its finally scores its quarterback. Particularly, actually, late in the process. You think it's early, being July, but with the new early signing period in December, this is late in the process to get a quarterback for the Buckeyes. But we got him. He's hugely talented. He actually outperformed a former Buckeye commit last year at Friday Night Lights, Emory Jones. I don't know if you remember him. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. And then 2020, we secured a commitment from Jack Miller who is number 47 nationally ranked right now, the number three pro-style quarterback. He, this, this kid can sling it, absolutely sling it, and it signals um, a, a, a strategy change in a philosophy change in Ohio State's offense, whereas they're more of a power spread running quarterback. They're flipping it um, to more pro-style quarterbacks because they want to be able to get those all those weapons that they are have been able to get at other positions over the years they want to get everybody involved and in turn you know this can lead to actually putting even more players in the league which looks good on the program because that that resonates with recruits nowadays put going to the league resonates with so many recruits and recruit recruits are taking notice of what ohio state is doing in this past week because i'm seeing more and more 2020 recruits putting Ohio State in their top 10. I mean, kids are announcing earlier than they ever have before. And it's because of success like Ohio State is having is why they're um, is why kids are wanting to commit. And you know what? It's people may say, hey, let's worry. What about them uh, potentially flipping? I mean, the current recruits that they are that they've secured all these guys have been absolutely enamored with Ohio State. Um, I don't see any chance of them flipping, especially once Dewan Dewan Mathis already flipped once. I don't see him flipping again. Jack Miller, I cannot see him flipping um, with um, his current running back in his high school, Devon Hubbard, also a four-star in the 2020 class, who is also a native of Ohio and a heavy Ohio State lean. Um. Secondly, let's go with uh, the defensive backs. Um, 2019, we secured a commitment from four-star uh, sa- four-star safety prospect Jordan Battle out of um, St. Thomas Aquinas. Ohio State's creating the, quite the uh, pipeline between them and St. Thomas Aquinas. And Urban Meyer has always had a lot of pool in Florida with his day, with his two national championships when he coached the Gators. Um, it is expected, though, that Jordan Battle will – um, flip to cornerback once he um, arrives on campus as Ohio State already has two guys committed in the class expected to play safety in four-star four-star R- Rocket Ronnie Hickman an athlete out of New Jersey and then three-star Bryson Shaw out of Potomac Maryland so there is that um, his his six foot one 187 pound frame um, says to me that uh, it says that the switch from safety to cornerback should be seamless, and he's exactly what the Buckeyes look for at cornerback because they like to play a lot of press press scheme coverage, which means they put they put guys one on one with receivers and they put them on an island. And Jordan Battle has exactly the speed and the athleticism that Ohio State looks for in a cornerback. And the same is going to be said with twenty twenty safe four star safety out of IMG Academy. Uh, Legend or Lejon Cavezos. Um, he is also listed currently as a safety by 24 7 Sports, but is also expected to play corner once he gets to Ohio State. He, he's continuously impressed at the opening. I think he's ran a sub 4 5 in the 40 yard dash. So you know he's got speed, you know he's got athleticism. He's a, this kid is a playmaker, and he's going to be somebody that Urban can rely on in the future and probably another future first round pick with the way this coaching staff has continually churned out first round picks at the defensive back position. And yeah, they've had quite, they've had quite a run uh, the last few years with first round picks out of their backfield. So yeah, going, the defensive backfield going to Ohio state seems to be pretty uh, lucrative 
for your future if that's what you want to do. DBU, that's what Ohio State is. DBU. And, you know, um, even with the coaching changes, you know, the loss of Kerry Johnson, I mean, is the Ohio State is still bringing in elite coaches. I mean, look what we did. We brought in um, Alex Grinch, who was Washington State's defensive coordinator last year. And you may cringe at that, but Washington State actually had a pretty good defense, and that was because of Alex Grinch. So now he's coming over. He's going to be the co-defensive coordinator and the safeties coach, which frees up now Greg Schiano to completely focus on just coordinating the defense. And then on top of that, we bring in a guy who's very familiar with the Ohio State program, who coached with us as recently from 2007 to 2011. He's replacing Kerry Cones, and that's Tabor Johnson, who's going to be coaching the cornerbacks. Um, he coached guys such as uh, Chim D. Chekla, who was a fourth-round pick by the Raiders and had a decent career in the, in the NFL. I mean, he didn't have a great career, but he had a decent career. Um, mm-hmm. So I – Recruiting is a must when you're a part of Urban Meyer's staff, and these guys are proving to be no slouches. And I have no worries that we will continually still put out first-round picks at the defensive back position. Um, Yes. The uh, final guy that we want to talk about is 2020 offensive tackle out of the Cincinnati, um, Paris Johnson Jr. He was considered a heavy Ohio State lean um, he continues the trend of Ohio State getting elite players in the trenches in recent years. Um, the last couple recruiting classes, they've made it a priority with all of the losses that they've experienced, such as like Jamarco Jones graduating and others leaving early via the draft. Um, Paris has Paris is. Um, He's somebody who we don't have to worry about flipping. As he tweeted out on Twitter, he um, he said, "Once he's committed, he's committed." And I already see him on Twitter. I follow him. I felt like I follow a lot of Ohio State recruits. Um, he's recruiting on behalf of Ohio State, which is something I love to see. Um, but to back back to the offensive line, Ohio State is expected to bring in at least five offensive linemen in the 2019 class. We're already at four. I think Darnell Wright five-star out of West Virginia could potentially be our fifth. And then we've already got two, two offensive tackles now in the class of 2020. Um, Urban Meyer has broken the school record for uh, total score of recruits the last two years in a row. I don't think he'll do that in 2019, but with the way 2020 is looking already pretty strong, I think potentially he could do it again in 2020. Yeah, they already got a good, they got a good start to the twenty twenty season or twenty twenty recruiting class. Like you said, they got the five star Paris Johnson out of Saint Saint X. They had, they just got Jack Miller, the four star Q. And like you said, it's been interesting because they had they started out with quarterbacks that could run. You know, Braxton Miller, um, J T. Barrett, um, you know, guys like that. And now they've seemed to make a uh, switch to more pro style quarterbacks that. Are more throwing in, like you said, more trans able to transfer those skills to the league, which is really going to help out um, the recruiting quarterbacks and going further. I think that says a lot about Urban Meyer is he's willing to change his philosophy of what he wants in a quarterback. Because honestly, if we can get a quarterback in the league, think how much to that will do for recruiting. I mean. We could get guys like uh, five-star Trevor Lawrence who committed to Clemson and he's Oh, my God, he's supremely talented. So, you know, if we can prove that we can put guys in the NFL at the quarterback position, watch out because Ohio State could be recruiting the quarterback position at an elite level. I mean, they already can because they're winning speaks for itself. Ohio State wins conference championships. They win national championships. That's what they do. They're, it's, it's the same as um, Nick Saban. That's why Nick Saban can continually roll, roll in recruits. Um, Another thing that works in Meyer's favor is he has a deep friendship with uh, Patriots head coach Bill Belichick. And a lot of times he'll come and speak to guys. And, you know, that resonates with the younger guys. You know, they see these NFL coaches coming in and they're talking to them and um, coaching these guys up before they get to the league, you know. And yeah. it's, it's huge for programs. Absolutely huge. Oh, yeah. I and mean, you can have – 
when young guys can look around, and there's Bill Belichick who's got five Super Bowls, and you know he's coached the the greatest of all time, Tom Brady. Yeah, that yeah for sure that resonates um, with all those guys, and that's what they want. That's eventually what they want to do, and that that helps out. That helps out a ton. Yeah, and I I think this helps kill the narrative where like um a, there was a narrative out last recruiting cycle that Urban Meyer was going to be um leaving retiring soon other coaches were using that as a negative recruiting tactic this just says that urban meyer isn't going anywhere any anytime soon and he's here to stay and uh, all these other head coaches better watch out yeah oh yeah urban's urban's he's in a good spot right now he's got a good job he's got a, doing a great job with ohio state and he's got a pretty much rolling where he wants it to roll exactly um, one, guy I want to talk, one, one of their assistants i want to talk about uh Zach Daly, their um, uh, offensive coordinator. How good must this guy be? Because uh, Vrabel offered him a job with the Titans. And then oh, Urban, you, oh, you're talking about um, his name, Ryan Day. Ryan Day. Ryan Day. Gee, that was all over it, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, Ryan Day. Um, you know, Vrabel offered him a job with the Titans. At the same time, he offered Coombs a job, and then. Um, Irvin gave him the offensive coordinator tag and to keep him and gave him a little bit of a raise. Yeah. This guy must be Urban must think pretty highly of this guy uh, to keep him around like that. Um, well, if if you didn't know this, Ryan Day is actually a Chip Kelly disciple, and Urban and Chip Kelly are also pretty good friends. Where as Chip Kelly is also another good friend of Bill Belichick. So, you know, you see a trend here. Elite mm-hmm. college head coaches, friends with an elite NFL head coach. Say what you want about Bill Belichick. He's won five Super Bowls and been to eight of them. But, yeah. anyways, back to Ryan Day. I mean, this guy, was he was with Chip Kelly at Oregon. He went with Chip Kelly when Chip Kelly went to the NFL. So, he, had NFL, he coached with him in Philly, and he coached with him in uh, San Francisco. So, this guy knows what he needs to get out of quarterbacks, knows how to get the best out of them. He knows how to run an offense, and I think you're going to see a lot of big plays made in this offense, especially if as long as Dwayne Haskins is named the starter, which currently he is. He Meyer has said going into camp that he is a starter, but Tate Martell will still have a chance to compete. But between him and Ryan Day, this offense can go extremely far. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. Sounds like Ohio State's got the uh... – Basically, it's their, the Big Ten East uh, there's to lose and um, I, Big I, Ten Championship game, see who they play there, and then maybe on to the playoff. I, I feel like the national championship is there to lose. Um, I You know what? Despite some of the youth that we have at some of the keystone positions, we still have a lot of veterans. I mean, Dwayne Haskins' weapons, all veterans, all veterans. And then you got – the two-headed monster at running back and J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber. I mean, that's crazy good. Um, we got guys returning on defense, Nick Bosa, Chase Young, Jonathan Cooper, uh, several talented incoming freshmen and returning guys at sophomore. I mean, Jeffrey Okuda, this kid is going to be a player at cornerback. I mean, then I'm calling it right now. Your 2018 national champions are going to be the Ohio State Buckeyes. Guaranteed. I will guarantee it. All right. All right. Let me draw one parallel between the NBA and college football. It seems like if you're an elite player, you're going to one of two places, um, Alabama or Ohio State. And Georgia and Clemson are trying to sneak to nose into that class too. But it yeah. seems like there's about four in Oklahoma – uh, here and there, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Exactly. But it seems like college football is down to about four or five real contenders, and then then it's everybody else. Exactly, exactly. And you know what? That speaks to the job that Urban Meyer and Nick Saban have done as head coaches and running their programs. I mean, whereas um, Nick Saban is bringing in elite recruits, he's brought in a lot of troubled recruits, and I think eventually that'll backfire like it did on Urban at Florida, which is why I think Urban has curtailed some more um, high-character players, which is why you may not see him beat out Nick Saban for the number one recruiting class. But with the way he's been recruiting, it's going to happen very, very soon. Ohio State 
will be on top of the recruiting ranks. Because um, like you said, it's, it's Alabama, it's Ohio State, and it's everybody else. Yes, and then then you have your next tier would be probably a team like Georgia, um, just because of the state they're in and the guy. And basically, and look at it, that's a, that's a Nick Saban disciple, Kirby Smart. Exactly. And he's, the, and he's in the most fertile state in the, in the, in the for, country. For recruiting, yeah, exactly. And yeah. That's, a, that's another thing that Saban and Urban have going for him. Not only do they put kids in the NFL, do they recruit a high level, they put they put head they put guys into head coaching positions. I mean, yeah. If you if you want to coach Division One football, there's no secret. You go work for Nick Saban or Urban Meyer. Exactly. I mean, um, so you know, did you know that Maryland's head coach DJ Durkin actually worked for Meyer up at Florida? Yeah. Yeah, he yeah, was. And he worked. He worked. He worked for him at Bowling Green too, didn't he? Yes, he did. Actually, I do believe he followed Meyer from Bowling Green to Utah to Florida. Yeah. And then eventually um, he found his way to Jim Harbaugh, who is mm-hmm. at that other team, who I will not yeah. speak the name of. Um, and then eventually, but I think a lot of a lot of him having a head coaching job has a lot to do with Meyer. Um, you have a guy like Chris Ash, who's head coach of the Rutgers right now. Mm-hmm. Um and then Meyer's ability to bring in other guys who are former head coaches to take a position lower and to re-put them in the position to be a head coach once again. I mean, Greg Schiano is one of the most coveted um, coordinators this past offseason. I mean, he had a he had a he had the job with Tennessee until Tennessee fans decided to be a bunch of douchebags and pull out some crap about what happened at Penn State and that how he was there and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, well, and that's in Tennessee with something. I followed that pretty closely. That was something. And, that's something never be never to be seen seen before, or probably ever to be seen again. And you know what? That fan base should be ashamed of itself for doing that to a man who's worked so hard at his profession, who's very good at his profession. I mean, their loss is our gain, though, as we get to keep them, and our defense is going to look stout. This year. Yeah, I I expect I firmly expect Shiano to have a head coaching job next year this time, and, yep. and maybe also uh, I bet um, Ryan Day probably isn't very right. far off. If yeah, exactly. If if he job. doesn't get a head coaching job, he'll be in consideration for several head coaching jobs because you know how the college co- head coaching carousel works. Um, coaches are constantly getting fired for underperformances or performances that fan bases don't deem. I mean. They don't don't deem as acceptable because they think they're one of the blue blood yeah blue blood programs and there's very few blue blood programs that's Alabama that's Ohio State that's Notre Dame that's SC um, it's hard to compete with that brand and that's why there are so many coaching changes in college football. Yes, yes, yep. Um, it'd be interesting to watch the Buckeyes again this year. Um, they seem to have great recruiting, recruiting classes coming in, and um, a very know, strong so coaching staff. Very strong coaching staff. They should be contender for the national title again this year, and hopefully going forward also. But yep. on that note, let's go our final segment. Um, our Cleveland Indians. Um, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but a, a couple people, Adam Schefter is one of them. A couple other guys were tweeting out. Um, that so with LeBron leaving, um, the Browns have to take over the face of Cleveland sports. And, well, I don't know if you've seen it, but our Indians have, you know, they played in the World Series two years ago. They they have the biggest lead, division lead of anybody in the major leagues. We have mm-hmm. probably six guys that can play in the All-Star game here in a couple weeks. Without so, a doubt. Our, yeah, entire, so our, our entire starting rotation is All-Star worthy. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think we're going to have two starting pitchers, at least two starting pitchers. At the least all... two, at the most three. Yeah. Um, I think Crasco, Crasco didn't miss that time when he got hit by the ball, I think. But, um, Freak injuries happen to us every single year, though. All the time. All the time. Cost of the World Series in 2016. Yes, it um, did. But, I mean, we're going to, Kluber's going to be there. Kluber just notched his 12th win last night. Um, and then Bauer's definitely going to be there too. I think Bauer's going to have ten wins if you all celebrate. Bauer has um, absolutely been the Indians' ace this year. No offense to Corey Kluber, but Trevor Bauer has been the ace 
of the Cleveland yes. Indian staff this year. And that's a testament to how hard that man works. Like people want to give yes. him grief about his routine and stuff like that. And but the Indians stuck with him. They they let him do what he was gonna do and the results are paying off. He's in the prime of his career and he is pitching like an ace. Um, yes, he is. Um, I think what people remember about Bauer is the fact that um, uh, when he when he had that freak accident with the drone and cut his finger up in 2016, yeah. that's what everybody, yep. everybody loves to bring up. But yeah, Trevor Bauer. And Bauer, if you look at his record in the games he's pitched, when he's lost games, he's getting one run, two runs of support, and he's losing the game three to two, two to one. Exactly. To one. Um, so yeah, yep. he, Bauer's pitching is pitching really well. Um, he's pitching his butt off to set for lack of a better term. He is. He is. He's going to, he's going to, he might, if he gets to 10 wins by the all-star break, he could end up at uh, 20 wins for, we got two 20, 20 game winners this year. I um, think there's a case that could be, he could potentially have like at least 14 wins by right now. If yes. it wasn't for the, uh, the lack of offense that he's gotten in a lot and, and quite a few of his starts. I mean, I, and even in his last start, his last start, he didn't get any run support in Oakland. Yeah, I think no. they lost. I think they lost that game three three one. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. Um, no. and the only run in that game, what was it? A solo home run. Yeah, the Indians. The, yeah, on the road, they're having problems with uh, scoring, like manufacturing runs. They hit a lot of yep. they hit a lot of solo home runs on the road. It seems apparently good. not the last two games though. Yeah. They've yeah. they've gone off. Oh yeah, last night Frankie uh, Frankie Lindor. Grand Slam and a three-run home run. That was crazy. Seven, yeah, he had seven RBIs in about a two-inning span. Um, I mean, there's a guy. I mean, he's the face. I saw it today. Somebody tweeted it out today. They should take down when they take down the LeBron post or the Nike post on the on the building. But they should put up one with uh, Lindor, Frankie, Frankie Lindor. Yeah, William, yeah, Ramirez and Brantley. Oh my God! I mean, yes. honestly, though, you might want to throw the rotation in that too, because it's a kind of it's a baseball is truly a team game, and you can see it. This team is winning as a team. It's it takes everybody to win every single night, and there that's that's what they've been doing night in and night out. At least at home, on the road, not so much. Yeah, they're coming. They won the last two games on the road. They scored twenty four runs in the last two nights on the road. Yeah, so, they so have, they're coming around. They have Kansas City today, tonight, and tomorrow night, and then they go come home for ten games before the break. And I mean, this thing, this thing's going to be out of reach by the All Star break. But it could yeah, really, yeah. we could really set the tone for the second half with a strong ten game. It's that stand. exactly. It's that time of the year where the Indians always hit their stride. They've always been a second half team. They've always produced really, especially since Tito's been there. They have had major upside in the second half. I mean, two years in a row, we had big game winning streaks. We had a 14 game winning streak the year we went to the world series. And then last year we had the new American league record, 22 games in a row. I wanted us to get the MLB record, which is uh 26 games in a row, mm-hmm. but you know, all good things must come to an end. Yes. Um, and, but you know what? I think we suffered some side effects from that winning streak in the playoffs. Cause as you saw, Corey Kluber wasn't Corey Kluber. No, no, um, he's he yeah he struggled in the playoffs, and I think he tweaked something, which he wasn't one hundred percent healthy. That, and, that's what I heard. I heard so there was something wrong with his elbow or something. And then we caught the Yankees. The Yankees the right for the Yankees the right time for the Yankees because they were Ex- they played pretty well. They were young kids who were experienced in the playoffs, and they capitalized on yeah. our weakness. Yeah, once they got some success, yeah, it was it was it was tough for us to come back. Um, uh, it pained me so much to lose the Yankees because of how many years that the Yankees have just bought their way to championships. Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. Losing the Yankees, I mean, it was, it was tough. And I think I'd like to see a, a series, seven game series with the Astros as, as, because we're definitely the two best teams and going to the World Series against, you know, battling for the World Series of the two best teams would have been I a pretty, feel like- pretty good series. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. I feel like the Indians are probably the most underrated team at this point um, because of the division that we play in. I mean, it's a – outside of Minnesota, it's teams tanking, tanking yeah. to get 
good players in their system. And I mean, the Twins, they're trying to win this year, but their young guys just aren't performing. But, you know, back to the Indians, they're the most underrated team because, you know, they don't – they didn't buy all the big names. I mean, they did – they brought in Edwin. But, I mean, they a lot of their guys, they've developed, they've acquired through trades, you know. Um, Corey Kluber, we got him from the Padres in 2011. Um, Trevor Bauer, we got him in the Shinsu Chu trade. Carlo Carrasco, we got him in the Cliff Lee trade. Yep. Uh, Mike Clevenger, we got him from the Angels for Vinny Pisano. So that's four-fifths of our rotation have all been guys that we traded for. Yes. Yeah, I mean, our front – the Indians front office lately has done a great job of dealing with being a mid-market team and being able and to getting. capitalize and develop. And our farm system is awesome at developing the guys that we're getting. Because, I mean, you, you look around here, like, you know, Lindor came up through the minors. Ramirez came up through the minors. All these yep. guys came up through after we traded for them, and I mean now they're they're all stars. And you know what, Ramirez, what it really speaks to our developmental staff because Ramirez wasn't a big name prospect. He signed for fifty thousand dollars out of the Dominican Republic. He was a little known prospect, not expected to do much, but he impressed the Indians enough that they signed him to a fifty thousand dollar contract. Think about that. Yeah, all the money going to prospects and. Jose Ramirez signed a 50000 contract, and now he is easily one of the best players on this team right now, oh, if not a, the best. He's in the MVP discussion for sure. Yeah. Well, and Other honestly, after, after Frankie's night last night, you have to put Frankie's name in that there. Oh. And we, have three guys, we have three guys on the team over 20 home runs right now. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I think this is a good time to remind fans, go vote for your Indians um, right now. Ramirez is the leading vote getter for third baseman, but uh, Frankie Lindor, I believe, is fourth, which is a crime because he's actually leading shortstops in home runs. Yes, he's in not, the major he, leagues. He's back up to third. Um, he's back up, but he's a distant man. I can't believe it. he's a distant third. You um, know, and who's ahead of him? Is it is Machado, it Correa? Machado Machado is the first at one point two, and Correa is at one point one. Oh, see, that's a crime right there. You know, Correa's going to get on, on Jeter levels of hate for me. I despised Jeter for so many years because he would get all that credit, and a guy like Omar, Omar Vizcal was doing work, getting gold gloves and batting over 300, and yet Jeter was getting all this love at the All-Star game. And, he's you know, yeah, because the fan vote, I mean, the fan vote, you look at the guys in the first – in first place, I mean, like the Yankees catchers in second place, you know, because I mean, and Yankees, he's been god awful. I know, but you see all these guys like the Yankees. Yankees guys are all up there because you know the Yankees fans are everywhere. They've been exactly, you know, they have, they're the traditional team. So uh, yeah, they're uh, the most arrogant fan base. That oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge has two million votes for the outfield. Aaron Judge might have two million strikeouts this year. Oh, God. Well, I could definitely see that. I mean, I mean, he he's dessert. He might be deserving the All Star game, but right now, I think your starting outfield for the All Star game should be Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, and Michael Brantley. I'm with him. Brantley's sitting the fifth right now. He's over a million votes. Um, and but yeah, he exactly. to get up there. Yep, and it's a crime that he's where he's at. I mean, yeah. I mean, oh, and God. a lot of this is a credit to the lineup changes that Tito's made. I mean, where he. Um, and he moved Brantley from third in the order to second in the order, and Brantley has just been amazing since he moved up there. Yeah, he's batting in between Frankie and Ramirez, and yep, yeah, and he moved. He's delivering he, exactly, and the the offense is um, has so much potential to do even more damage in the second half, which is why I think we are a very dangerous team and the more underrated team because nobody's talking about us. But that's Cleveland sports. Nobody ever talks about us until we show up on the doorstep. Yes. Yeah, that's I'm, – I'm with you. And I think I think you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said we're not getting a lot of respect because, well, we struggled in the beginning of the year, but our division is so – like we struggled in May, but our division is so bad it didn't even matter. Exactly. Um, I think this thing was over in about the middle of April. But, and and you, you know what other narrative I'm so sick of? I'm so sick of people dumping on Cleveland like it's a horrible city. Cleveland is a wonderful city and is actually a pretty beautiful place. I don't live there, but I've been there. Yeah. 
Oh, and, you know, yeah, the resurgence of uh, I live right outside of Cleveland, downtown Cleveland. The resurgence of downtown has been. I mean, first off, it's been it was fueled by the return of the of the king I of mean, LeBron, LeBron James. LeBron yep. had a, has a lot to do with it. Uh, there's no doubt about it. But but the I mean, in, the way the Indians have played is uh, is a reason why it's continued. Yes. Oh yeah. The Indians are the Indians are definitely helping. And a uh, buddy of mine told me the other day. He said, this is the he's been he's like me. He's followed Cleveland sports his whole life. And he said this is the golden age of Cleveland sports. I mean, all three of them. You had to. Uh, it, the Cavs in the finals. You had the Indians are, you know, their World Series are bust. They have some of the best players in the league. And then, look, this is the most positive outlook for the Browns in an offseason, pro- I mean, probably in yeah. 10 years. And, and the UFC heavyweight champion is from Cleveland. Don't forget about Stipe. Yeah, Stipe is fighting Friday, right? Saturday, the 7th. He's fighting, yeah, 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 against Daniel Cormier, the super fight against Cormier. Yes, yes. Don't forget about old Stipe. He was he brought the first title to Cleveland. Yes, he did. Yes. I mean, and that, I mean, and you know what? One title in Cleveland is like five titles anywhere else because it just means that much to this fan base. This is Cleveland is one of the most loyal fan bases you will ever come by. Yes. Oh, for sure. I mean, I mean they sell out the Brown Stadium. You know, people are and they they've been terrible. Terrible, and it's and they've won December, one game in two years, and it's not nice in December and January. Oh no, I bet. Yeah, so I mean, the draft has been our Super Bowl for the Browns for the last couple of years, and now I think we legitimately have more positive excitement where we are actually looking at a team that could win between five to eight games. I think eight being the most, five being the least. Yes. Oh yeah, I, I, I'm. I 100 agree with you. Um, It'll be interesting. I think it's the third week of the year. We play the Jets at home um, uh, because everybody here the, in Cleveland, the, the, it was split between who should we take, Baker Mayfield, should we take Sam Darnold? It'll be interesting to see third week of the year how Darnold has progressed and, you know, if he can – how good word he is, is. I mean, you know, the word is he's not going to play this year. Um, no. The Jets, the Jets were uh, – were, Liked what they got from Josh McCown last season, um, and word is that he was going to be starting. But you know what? It's football, so anything can change. Injuries happen, and um, you know, coaches make decisions when their jobs might be on the line. Like I, I don't think the Jets' coaching staff, their jobs would be on the line. I think they're pretty secure. But you know, it it will be interesting to see where both Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield are at in their developments, even if they aren't starting. Yes, yes, for sure. I, that'll be one thing to watch going forward. I think that's one of the fun parts about the draft is, you know, six quarterbacks got taken in the first round, and in four years, who's still around? Who's starting, who's not starting, and even who's in the league? Who's prospering and who's not prospering? Yes, sir, yes. And I gave, I gave the Browns grief because I'll be honest with you, I wanted Sam Darnold. Yeah. I, I absolutely hated the Baker Mayfield pick. And the only reason you're going to think I'm silly for hating this, but I hated it because of his size. Because there's a small scale of quarterbacks that have succeeded with size as his. Yes. Drew Drew Brees and Russell Wilson. Can you name anybody else? Who else? I read somebody else or somebody. But, I mean, yeah, you're right, though. It's a a couple, two, three guys that are under six foot that have been ultra successful. And, um but yeah, I mean, it's that's why the draft is, is not an exact science, and I mean, it's word is analytics favored Baker Mayfield, which is so funny because John Dorsey was seen as a football guy and not an analytics guy, and we were making more of a football switch when we hired him rather yeah. than an analytics switch. Yeah, um, I, yeah, the analytics did favor Baker. I mean, I think what hurt uh, Darnold was his turnovers between the interceptions and the fumbles, and. I think what helped Baker was his uh, – Baker's got every intangible there is with, uh, you know, he went to Texas Tech as a walk-on. They won eight games. He went to Oklahoma, Oklahoma as a walk-on. And you know what he did there, and now he worked his way into being the number one pick. I think the intangibles helped his Baker. Inta- and, uh, his intangibles, his leadership. I mean, say what you want. The guy is a, is, is a leader. He gets his team to do, th- do great things. 
and he's incredibly accurate with the pass. That's another thing that worked in his favor. Yeah. I mean, he completed 70% plus in college. I mean, if you can't complete at least 60% in college, then you shouldn't be in the NFL. And that's where I think guys like a Josh Allen is going to fail in Buffalo because he could I – don't, I don't care what lack of talent he had. If you're an NFL quarterback – you can complete 60% of passes in college because coverage is softer in college. The athletes aren't the same in college. Yeah, especially he was playing in the Mountain West. Exactly. He he wasn't playing in the heart of the SEC where, like Vanderbilt, he was Where you're facing NFL defenses every week. Yeah, and you're facing stuff. Well, he was playing – if you're going to – Mountain West, I don't even know. I can't tell you, but I I would bet some money that they didn't have more than two players drafted this year, and he was one of them. So – he was facing good, probably good college players, but not, and he was completing fifty percent of his passes. So, like Josh Allen can throw it ninety yards, but I don't know how many times in the NFL. I mean, I've watched Tom Brady a few years now. He throws the ball about four yards and lets it run. I don't know how many times you got to drop back and throw it seventy yards in the air. And people get so enamored with arm strength. Arm strength isn't everything. I mean, look what happened to, to Jamarcus Russell. That is easily the biggest bust since Ryan Leaf. And I said it from the beginning that he was going to be a bust because of his lack of accuracy and his horrible work ethic. He had a horrible work ethic in college. Now, I'm not saying Josh Allen has a horrible work ethic. From all intents and purposes, this kid has a hell of a work ethic. And if he proves me wrong, then you know what? He proves me wrong. But I just don't think he's going to be successful in the NFL because the windows get tighter. The windows get smaller. Everybody's an athlete in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know what he's going to have. You know what's going to happen as long as Josh Allen works and he doesn't get in trouble because of his arm strength. He'll be able to have a seven to ten year career. Maybe not as a starter, but probably as a backup just because he can throw it. Yeah, and you know what? Maybe that will work in Buffalo's favor, though. That the fact that he has so much arm strength because you know how bad the weather is up in Buffalo. Oh, I mean, for sure. sure. It, it's worse than Cleveland's weather. Yes. And honestly, maybe accuracy isn't something that they particularly need in court. Like Baker, he wouldn't have fit in Buffalo. Sam Darnold might have fit in Buffalo. Um, but you know what? Josh Allen, he wouldn't have fit in Buffalo. So, I mean, he is um, a he's as Buffalo as Buffalo gets when it comes to Josh Allen. Yeah, and he played in Wyoming, which they played in some snow games. and uh, Yep. They played in some uh, inclement weather. But anyways, we should probably get back to the Indians if we got a little off track. We <laughs> got a little off track. Well, the Indians have, I mean, like we said, they have two, two more away games and they have 10 games at home to close out the uh, first half. They have, um, I do, they come, I Oakland, do believe. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Oh, they have Oakland this weekend. They got the Reds beginning of the week next week. And then they finish up with four game set against the Hayden Yankees. So. Uh, which I will that, be at the Sunday game right before the uh, before the oh that's awesome break. yeah yeah and that that's that's I mean I think that's going to be a series that tells us where the Indians really are at the end of the first half you know yeah, yeah they really get, I mean they need to get a I think they need to get a series they need to win that series three to one um, and then get really get some momentum going into the All Star break you know getting. A, couple days needed days of rest and then going into the second half where as you stated before they've been above par yeah you know what i don't know if you saw this but lonnie chisenhall is hurt again so he's gonna miss quite a bit of time again when's the last time we saw that i know i saw that he got he was a late scratch last night but yeah i'm like good godly miss molly here we go again with lonnie I know, but the good thing about that is we do have some. There's one place we have a little depth, maybe is the outfield. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think though, I I saw um, an Indians writer, I believe it was Zach Mazel for the Athletic, tweeted that this would be a perfect time to actually get Francisco Mejia back up and get him some at bats. I mean, guys like they like to bring up minor leaguers when they're hitting at their hottest. Mejia has been on a heat streak since he had that one day spent spent in the MLB and then went got sent back down. Mm-hmm. He has been on a massive, massive heat stroke. Um, yeah, maybe bring him up. I mean, I know the Indians want to kind of keep him at catcher, but you know what? 
why not give him a give him a shot? Let's see what this kid can do. Maybe he can get us some more consistency on the road. Yeah, yeah, he'd be a nice little nice bat to put in there. Um, you know, the, right there in the middle of the lineup there. Um, the Indians uh, have always benefited from bringing up young players. I mean, remember back in '07 when we brought up Estrubo Cabrera and mm-hmm. he springboarded us. We were struggling at um, second base, and he sp- he was a huge springboard for us for that year when we got to the wor- almost got to the World Series. And then Frankie, when he came up, I mean, we didn't make the playoffs, but we made a huge turnaround. And it's just it's always been consistent when we bring up a hot young guy. The Indians seem to get even hotter, and they could really benefit from doing that, I think, right now. I agree with you. I think it's going to be an awesome second half of the year. Um, be awesome as the Indians head into the playoffs, maybe to the World Series, um, and then head into Browns and Buckeyes season. Um, it's, going to, it's going to be exciting next couple of months here. Um, and despite LeBron leaving, Ohio sports is still exciting, so stay with us, please. Yes. Yes, yes, it is going to be an exciting time uh, here at the Ohio Sports Blog. We will have all the coverage you need for the Indians, the Bucks, and the Browns going forward. Um, so stay with us, and this will be this is the first of many podcasts in the future. Uh, we'll probably have another one next week, um, probably talking about some more Buckeye signings. Definitely picking up some All Star stuff with the and- tribe, and then going forward into the. Many probably some, with the Browns. And probably some summer league basketball. You saw the Cavs just announced their summer league roster. I did see that, yeah. See, get a couple young guys from that summer league onto the big team. Let's see how they do. Exactly. All right, buddy. Let's wrap it up here. All right. Thanks. All right. Thanks again, Charlie. It's been quite the pleasure talking sports with you. Okay. Yep. Same here. I'll get this up probably later tonight or probably here in a couple next hours. All righty, buddy. All right. See ya. Have a good one. Bye.